Here's a little story that must be told. From beginning to end. Now, here's a little story I got to tell. Here is a story about music. Stories about songs, common sense versus Ice Cube. Ice Cube. This story is a fun story, but also a little bit of a frustration of mine. Not nothing super crazy, but uh, just a little bit of frustration, if you will. In all of my years of being active in hip hop, you know, um, previously especially, I didn't really think about credit or compensation. You know, how the saying goes, I was doing it for the love, or I was really just doing it because it felt natural. I wasn't even, even thinking about the love or anything. I was just doing it. It's one of those things, and this story particularly is one of those things, and later in life made me think that sometimes that's not always the best approach. And, but also at the same time, it's not really all that serious either. These aren't necessarily life-changing events. But in some cases, it would be nice to be recognized for some things you were involved in. So it's that sort of that fine line of knowing how much, I don't even know how much I care about it, but I'm gonna tell you the story regardless. You know, there's a thing, I know there's some lyrics that Common mentions about in his older material about not remembering people or not remembering faces or, or names. I can't remember what he says, but it's a real thing. I met Common in the 90s three, four, five times. And that's not even a critique of him because, you know, he was just getting in the industry, meeting a lot of people all the time. And there was no particular reason for him to remember who I was. So I'm not even tripping on that. And I've had the same thing happen with me. And I'm I'm not even meeting as many people as he was meeting. And I can't remember everyone I meet. So I'm not making that critique necessarily. Um, but by the time 96, 95 came around, I, I mean, probably met him at least three or four times. But to give some context to why that point's even somewhat relevant, um, for one thing in particular is that I was a creator, co-owner of a magazine called Caught in the Middle out of Chicago. My partner was Jason Cook, aka Jaybird. And our first issue came out in December of 94 and the front cover of the magazine was Common Sense. And that was the first time he was ever on the cover of a magazine. Um, and this was around the time he was about to release, or I just released um, his second album, Resurrection. did that interview, we, we did that album, he did an interview on a local station, it might have been GCI or it might have been 106 Jams, the rap station, um, I think it was 106 Jams, I think it was with, with First Lady, what up First Lady, and he mentioned Caught in the Middle, but he credits the magazine to Jaybird and Jello. I remember I was listening in, I get that, that stung for a second, like, ah, like, what about me? But I understood it. Jello was Jaybird's partner in a different venture called Shrewd Marketing, and they had done some work with um, Common. And so I just think he made the association that he knew that Jaybird was involved, and knew Jello and Jaybird were partners. They must be partners in this thing too. So I literally was offended for like 0.7 seconds and then moved on like whatever. 
So fast forward to 1995, and if the internet is correct, this should be probably around April, May of 95, possibly early June. Anyway, I go to the shrewd marketing office, which I believe was on Clybourne, and they give me an advanced copy of Mac-10's self-titled debut album, which I believe, if the internet is correct, came out on June 20th, 95. So this was happening sometime before that. Um, I listened to the album, and I wasn't honestly that crazy about it, but the song with Ice Cube and WC does catch my attention. That's West Side Slaughterhouse. Uh, the production is minimal and raw by a producer named Madness For Real, who around that time had a handful of dope beats. He had done beats for MC Ren, Ice Cube, Rakim, At Band Clan, WC, The Life Is Group, Shades of Lingo, and so on. So he had like a nice little uh, production reputation at that point. And so the beat was dope. And on the song, WC's on point like he always is. He's a natural. And I was a big fan of him since Low Profile and WC the Mad Circle album with his partner Rhyme Coolio. Also, West Side Slaughterhouse is probably Mac 10's best vocal performance on the record, also. And Ice Cube is sounding more like the Ice Cube that I, you know, the Ice Cube version that I prefer. He's, um, he had been doing more of the smooth G Funk stuff around that time. And this is him being a little more aggressive. And this is how I was introduced to the group that would become West Side Connection, which I imagine is true for most people. This is kind of like them um, making that known on a record. I don't remember why I did this next thing, but the time I was talking to Chino Excel fairly regularly about various hip hop things. And so when I heard the, the diss to Common, I called Chino from the office and played it for him. And the main thing I remember him saying is, I actually have a line for Cube on my album. And so I assume that is what the, uh, remember Ice Cube had a Jerry Curl line is from Deliver. It's a little side note to the story that's either here nor there, but that's how I first learned about that uh, Cube line uh, from Chino. Anyway, I was, um, Curious to hear the Mac 10 album before this because I had read and seen a few things with him interviews. And I had this, he, he, he was just saying nothing too crazy, but he was saying things that I was, I feel like he was like trying too hard. I don't know, I had, it was rubbing me the wrong way. So I was curious to see what he was gonna be about. And so I wasn't necessarily looking forward to it. I, so I kind of went into it with a, a, a negative attitude. And then, you know, being in Chicago at the time and um, not necessarily feeling like I had to be loyal or supportive of Common, but with already that feeling already, um, it didn't help me kind of get excited about the Mac 10 thing. Um, so I probably gave him, you know, less attention or I probably ignored it more than I should have just because of uh, my own personal feelings. And I can admit that now. But my feelings did have a little bit of way of being cemented at that time because uh, via shrewd marketing, once again, I was invited because I would have um, caught in the middle of magazine, like I mentioned earlier. I was invited to Chicago media and retail dinner at Hard Rock Cafe with Mac 10. 
and some people from Priority Records. And there was this awkward moment where Mac 10 started asking some of the Chicago retailers how his album was selling. And they were like, kind of like looking confused and they were like, uh, we don't, we don't have the record. It's not in stock. And Mac 10 looks at his party rap, why don't they have my record, my album? Why is my album, y'all? Already messing my album up. And the record be like, uh, Mac 10, the album's not out yet. It comes out in two weeks. And he was like, what? How come I don't know my album's not? And it was this awkward thing of him not knowing why? And, and you know, now that I know more about the business, maybe there could have been some thing that he was confused about. But at the time, I was like, yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And so I already had a, a certain feeling about Mac 10 before I heard the album that definitely made me, uh, I guess, prejudiced to listening to it, for whatever that's worth. Come on, come on, come on. Anyway, getting back to this is from Cube Uncommon, I, I think that it actually came. I actually came to the office because someone, probably Bird, called and told me that that was actually on the tape and I went there just to get the tape so I could hear it. And if you know anything about this situation and you were listening to hip hop at the time, you know there was some tension between the East and the West already. You know, and around this time, you, it wasn't just like the big artists, you know, it was some of the more like what we would call underground. You know, Master Ace had Slaughterhouse which some people thought was uh, took slights the West Coast with some of the interludes, how I did those things, you know? And I, and I wondered if that was even played into the part of why they named that song West Side Slaughterhouse, if they were sort of maybe also making a, a sort of mention of Master Ace there some kind of way. Jay Rue had his album, The Sunrise in the East. And it was like these little subliminal or not subliminal things happening on the East Coast. And I think finally the West Coast had enough. And so Common's remarks, and I used to love her, might have been like kind of a breaking point or just something that Q chose to take aim at and thus leading to this whole beef on wax. But then she broke to the West Coast and I was cool because around the same time I went away to school and I'm a man dub expanded. So why should I stand in her way? She probably get her money in LA. And she did stud, she got big pub, but what was foul? She said that the pro black was going out of style. She said Afrocentricity was of the past. So she got in the RB hip house space of jazz. Now black music Just so happens, since I was out there in Chicago, living, you know, I'm living out in Waukegan at the time, hour away. I decided to go to a club night. I think it was the Q Club, because Tone Be Nimble, of All Natural, had a night at the Q Club where he played dope records. I go that night, it so happened, Common Sense is sitting at a table right there. So I go up to Common and I meet him for the fourth or fifth time, whatever it is, and I go, hey, do you know that Ice Cube dissed you on this new West Side Connection record? And he kind of like, yeah, yeah, I was just out on the West Coast and somebody told me about it, but I don't really know what he says about me. And so I go, well, he calls you a, I'll say a PWB, and I want to get into it. This is family approved listening podcast. But if you know the record, or you can see out on your own what he calls him. But I tell that's a comment and he just kind of like, you know, laughs like, all right, that's, that's kind of funny. And I'm like, you know what? I have the tape right in my car, like literally less than a block away. Do you want to hear it? He's like, yeah. So we get up, we're walking to my car. And um, right when we get to my car, like literally I'm about to touch the door of the car. I'm like, 
you know, are you going to respond? And he's like, man, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, it's Ice Cube, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm a fan of N.W.A. I don't know. It depends on how I feel when I hear it. I'm like, yeah, I understand. That makes sense. So I reach in my car, I got the tape. I get, you know what? I don't even like the tape. You can have it. And so I just gave him the tape. And um, that was it. I don't think I saw him uh, again, you know, for a while. So some things of note. I don't know how many years ago it was that Common released his biography. I think it was called One Day It All Makes Sense. Fans wait patiently to meet the rapper turned actor and now author in the DePaul Center's Barnes & Noble. Chicagoans read his new memoir, One Day It'll All Make Sense, while waiting for the star to appear. I just want to thank you all for coming out and I'm here to sign all autographs and give love and just shake hands and say what's up to y'all. You know, it's good to be home, y'all. And he tells a story in his biography and the story, if you read it, as I recall, I haven't read it in a while, it probably will match up pretty close to what I just said, except for it won't include me. <laughs> um, when he says, when he told me that he heard about it on the West Coast, in his book he credits King T for pretty much the story. And it seems like that he kind of like, I don't think it was intentional. I, I think maybe he just blended the two stories together as one. So when he told me someone on the West Coast told him about it, that probably was King T. And then he just associated all the rest of it to King T as well, or to some of it, something like that. Once again, not a big deal, but that's kind of the one that I was like, I kind of wish I, not even in his biography, but the funny thing was that I didn't even know that was gonna happen. And around that time, I wrote a story about it online and this book came out and it seemed like my story wasn't real because Common's book kind of dictated my story a little bit. So it was more about that that I was kind of bothered by. But anyway, there's more to the story that's even more exciting beyond my own personal feelings. Uh, one thing is a regret of sorts, and that might be a strong word, but in hindsight, I do wish from the journalist side of me that even though I plan on giving him the tape, that I would have also played it for him in that moment so I could get his reaction. Just like the idea that I could have been the one to get Common's first reaction to the, but I just didn't think like that back then. I just, I was just living. It was just doing what I do. So I didn't think about it, but you know, that's just how it goes. But I did get to have one more small part in observing this unfold. Um, you know, a little while later, I'm not sure how later, but I believe this was like March of 96 now. Um, so at least a few months later, I, I would guess. I'm at the Cubby Bear in Chicago to see De La Soul perform. You know, they're about to release Stakes is High and they have a few singles out. And so during the performance, they bring out Common so they can um, perform the business. And after they perform the business, they like let Common get a moment on stage and he says, you know, he has something he has to address and he does an acapella and that's the first time that he 
he does, I believe it's the first time that he ever did, but the first time I heard him do the in you. So here it was, his like, you know, response that I could see live on stage. So even though I didn't play that tape for him and get that reaction in the moment, I kind of got the reaction, the delayed reaction, if you will, by seeing him uh, do that acapella with uh, De La Soul. And it was cool because I just saw De La Soul this year at Red Rocks this past February. And um, I got to tell them the story of that and how, you know, that that all played together of me giving him the tape and then seeing him at the Cubby Bear. And so that was kind of cool. And they were like, oh, that's, that's, that's cool to know that, you know, that that was a thing that happened and how it all played out. So that was, it makes the story cool in a whole different way, even if I didn't get recognized uh, or comment as remember how I was involved in it. And I don't think I ever, like I said, I don't, to this day, I don't know if I've seen comments since that day I gave him the tape. Like, I haven't had a conversation, I've seen him, but I haven't had a conversation with him. Like, I know when he toured in like 2003, came to Minneapolis with him and Kanye was opened up, but Kanye was, um, you know, just getting big. The sweet taste of victory uh-huh. Go ahead and breathe it in like antihistamine I know you say it, damn, they snapped on this beat And I have uh, my own other stories about Kanye that we'll get to eventually, I'm sure But I went to that show to actually see Twilight Tone Who was DJing for a comment at the time And um, So yeah, but that was like my uh, one brief interaction with Common That has some sort of like uh, how I played a small part In the Common versus Ice Cube situation. Speaking of Twilight Tone, I'll probably eventually talk about how he was largely responsible for introducing me to Chicago hip hop, the underground scene, for me going to his Dim Dare parties that he DJed, um, particularly at spots like the Alcatraz. But he also was one of my, was growing to be one of my favorite MCs in this early 90s. Um, he had a group called The Late Show that was also signed to relativity like Common Sense, which you know, I assume came about, which it's may not necessarily be true, but you know, he did production on the first Common album, and he, you know, he was doing production, he was DJing with Common, doing cuts on the record, um, and he did verses on a couple of things too. He did um, a song on Resurrection with Common, Rich Man, Poor Man. And then on the B-side, uh, a B-side track from the first album, uh, Can I Bust, he's a feature artist. And when he MC'd, he go by Why Not Nevertheless. And you know, there was a, a story that came out, I don't know how many years ago, I could do the math in my head, but my brain's not doing math right now. But whenever it was, I think the 20 year anniversary of Resurrection, there was an interview with Common talking about how on both the times he did a song with Why Not, he felt like Why Not way out rapped him like he's like man I got I got beat on my own songs by why not twice and you know it's so that just tells you because Common was known for being such a great writer that why not people take him as a DJ or a producer but he also was a top-notch MC but anything from the late show the demos he did I don't know how far he got with the album but um far as I know nothing ever came out so I've been like ever since I first heard about him as an MC and heard him I was a fan and been waiting to hear more music, and to this day I haven't heard anything but those two verses 
um, and I'm a huge fan. Hopefully one day we'll see uh, the Late Show stuff surface. And with that in mind, I gotta I gotta play a little bit wider. Nevertheless, can I bust right now? Uh, we close out the show right here. Now can I bust in this era? I'm a plus like addition at this and I'm dissing out whoosh like a shout. The love is the late show showing you the latest. You late on the show. Are we the greatest show? You're right. To my right race, to my left format. In the back, blinds like blinds. So get the hook out my face. Oh, what a disgrace. You can't disgrace and poise. I'll erase you boys to miss me. You men meet your ends and OTs. Wise, this is just a tease before my album. No bum acts out. I'm up to parlay. You free toe corn chips off the block. I bust it down. Just bust it down. Exciting as a big zap, a frightened nose biting with large appetite and tight, tight, taking that loose. Why not? No loser, but I lost your reminder. I find you finders, keep us so your mind too. Your mind can't match mine when I do mine, call mine. My mouth is a orchid gold mine. March on like March to Mars, I get eight like the bars I got to rhyme to. I climb you like a stepson, so stepson. No weapon, but I got a repson for taking fakes to the town. Snakes in my foul, foul ish. I'll sit down, all stand up comic rappers who just never but don't understand fashion. Fasten your seatbelts. The heat melts to ice T-O-N-Y backwards Nevertheless, I attack nerds Hawk what you heard, ham bone When I finish women And zigging say damn tone That's busted Zigga, zigga, bust the chat The comment says you know he's running things Late show, you know we running things You ain't you know they running things